This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Visit bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 88th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording once again from the Revel Advertising Studio. The Revel Advertising Studio is back, folks, in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great. Uh, Springfield Moe, the home of Brad Pitt and Anton Brookshire. Yes. That's where we're recording from. Yes. Uh, I am great. Uh, it feels good to be back in the studio. Um, I drove here. I drove my car. I traversed the the streets in the city. It was that was an experience. Yeah, I haven't done that in a while. I know. Yeah, um, it definitely does feel good to see you guys' beautiful faces in person in the and, flesh. Uh, yeah, and be back here in this lovely studio. It's weird having all this hardware and stuff and having to remember to bring a memory card and stuff like that because seems like more work it, uh, yeah <laughs> on the way over here i was like oh, is this oh. honestly i feel like I mean, yeah, still getting used to it stuff like that <laughs> um i feel like a lot of workplaces are gonna after this experience they're gonna be like why are we paying for a office space when we just worked remotely out of necessity and everything worked just fine i 100 percent um had one of those moments actually on a on a zoom call yesterday with my boss and some of my coworkers, where, you know, we're kind of starting to figure out how to function as a team virtually. And, you know, I think it's very possible that even, you know, you know, through the summer and fall, we still may not be working five days a week in the office, you know, yeah. and, um, cause we just don't necessarily need to. So it's, yeah, yeah I it, think things will change. Any companies that are able to just cut that out of their overhead expenses, then it's just like a no brainer mm-hmm. for sure helps help the bottom line uh anyway this this podcast we talk about mizzou uh football and basketball and uh finances yeah company structures among other things yes um this week we are going to talk about anton brookshire committing to missouri uh the bass pro tournament of champions teams for 2021 have been announced we're talking about how ku is in big trouble we're going to give out our Mizzou basketball all decade team and play a little game where we have $15 to make the best Mizzou basketball lineup possible. Um, but f- so first let's, let's talk about Anton Brookshire. Uh, he was offered by Mizzou that made news on Tuesday. And then two days later he has committed to the Tigers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we watched Anton Brookshire in the uh, tournament of champions last January um, place for Kickapoo. Place for Kickapoo. I am a Kickapoo alum, um, so it, you know it was cool to see them in the tournament. They've had a lot of success in the tournament in the uh, in the past, um, but it was it was cool to see uh, them go go up against Oak Hill and um, some great programs like that. Um, you know, Anton played very well. He's, he was a junior, obviously. Um, he scored thirty three points against Oak Hill. You know, he made I think he was seven of twelve from three. He looked like he was very much enjoying the moment. Um, did not back down um, to the competition whatsoever. So, you know, it's I've seen him play fairly limited, but, you know, we've seen him play three times. Um, I would say he was pretty consistent in his performance all three times. 
um he, he's a great shooter he's he's definitely he's a tough guard for sure so yeah a, a lot of uh potential to, to look forward to for sure yeah he didn't uh obviously he didn't go seven for 12 from three in all three games in the tournament but uh yeah he was still really impressive we would have had another chance to see him um if the state tournament hadn't been canceled uh due to the coronavirus but uh, his team was set to face off against Caleb Love and CBC in the state semifinals. So that would have been another really good matchup to go see. Uh, but in total, last year as a junior, he averaged 20.5 points, four rebounds, and three and a half assists. Um, he was definitely the the main scoring threat for their team. So even though he initiated the offense, it usually still ended up with him shooting the ball. So mm-hmm. not surprising that he didn't have a, a ton of assists. Um, I still think, you know, at the collegiate level, if, if the shooting translates, then he'll get plenty of opportunities to score. Um, and it seemed like he, from what I've read and stuff, he's really been working on expanding his mid range game as well as just getting to the basket and finishing creatively because he's a little bit undersized. Um, he's still listed at six foot. I think, um, when he's playing basketball, his senior year, this upcoming season uh, he will not be listed at six foot anymore and he could even be taller than that by the time he gets to mizzou but i think the sort of like standard point guard role will come naturally to him and he'll be able to make the plays find the open man just like any other point guard you know just like your average point guard does i guess but if he's able to shoot and score the way he does in high school and that translates, you know, maybe not his freshman year, sophomore year, but at, you know, if he, he seems like a, a four-year guy that's really going to develop and eventually be a really potent part of the offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely the uh, <clears throat> the rumors and the whispers definitely at the Tournament of Champions back in January was that he was getting a lot of uh, high major interest after, you know, his performance against Oak Hill. Um, definitely caught the attention of some bigger schools. We knew that uh, Mizzou has definitely been interested for a while. Um, you know, I didn't know if he if he would get that offer, and I don't really know what changed in the last you know week or so that they decided to pull the trigger. But I definitely think that um, you know, with a lot of departures, uh, tw- twenty one class um, definitely has some room. And I think a guy like this, you know, an in state guy who can shoot, I definitely think this is a kind of guy you want to take a take a chance on. And you know, I think it's probably even. Uh, he's a better player than just taking a chance on him. I oh, yeah. I, I definitely think that this this is a solid get. Uh, that Missouri should be proud of yeah looking back at our um, tournament of champions recap episode we talked about him as being like a guy that could potentially really blow up um, his senior season and I actually thought we'd see a little bump in the recruiting rankings for him coming right off the back of the tournament we didn't really see that when the 2021 class was has been updated a couple times since then so I don't know maybe this offer and commitment um, you know if this was a a KU offer and commitment, then he'd be like top 50 in the, in the nation tomorrow. But, yeah. uh, Mizzou offer doesn't get treated quite the same way, but you know, still gets him some, some exposure. And, um, you know, Jeff Goodman from ESPN had some really nice things to say about him as well. So, you know, he's definitely on the radar for, for national analysts. And I definitely think that this, uh, commitment will uh, give him some more exposure, but, you know, it's funny you said that too, because the, um, the coach from Christ the King in New York, um, he said in an interview after the game that this is probably the best point guard we've gone against all year, and they've gone against some great programs. 
He said if if Anton Brookshire was playing in New York, he probably would have blown up by now. So um, there was a, a lot of great things that were was said about him, and um, I think he's he's definitely undervalued as a recruit right now. So yeah, and I think um, the commitment will bring some attention his way, and when his senior season starts, and as trivial as it sounds, when he's listed at six two on the program, and that's goes into the databases, um, then that'll boost his ranking a bit. So, yeah, I think, you know, when we talked about it around the Tournament of Champions time about Mizzou maybe getting in on his recruitment, he was still seen as sort of a mid-major type recruit or caliber recruit and would have been like a tremendous get still for like a Missouri State. And, um, but watching his performance in the tournament, it was like, okay, if, if Mizzou's interested, they just need to go all in and go ahead and get him just for the upside. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, a good news surrounding Anton Brookshire and his Kickapoo Chiefs are that they are going to be back, folks, in the Tournament of Champions again in 2021, um, which is really cool. So we'll get to see him again. And for the first time, we will have a Mizzou commit at the Tournament of Champions for sure this time. Uh, we missed out on Trey Jackson because he wasn't actually there, and we were confused about the roster for Sunrise Christian. Uh, we were off a year on... Vashon being there with Mario McKinney, uh, EJ Liddell did not choose Mizzou after he or when he was at the Tournament of Champions. Uh, Cam Fletcher was there, but went to Kentucky. So we've had so many near misses of having a Mizzou commit at the Tournament of Champions, where we can talk to him. Um, and finally, we're going to get to do that with Anton Brookshire. Although he'll be sort of the uh, the bell of the ball, um, being you know the hometown kid and getting the Mizzou offer and. Uh, being very familiar with all the uh, media folks, but we'll still do our best to get in there and talk to them. Mm-hmm. Um, other teams that have been announced for the Tournament of Champions are Bishop Gorman, Desmet from St. Louis, Greenwood again from Springfield featuring Aminu Muhammad, IMG Academy from Florida, Kickapoo, like we said, Pace Academy, Roman Catholic, and once again, Sunrise Christian from Bel Air, Kansas. Mm-hmm. So there will be some other Mizzou targets that will be playing in the tournament uh, next January as well. Um, Tamar Bates is transferring to IMG Academy, so we'll get to see him. Um, he's got some offers, though, from some some other big programs. So um, I don't know if Mizzou is still being in the running. That Obviously, January is a long time from now. But uh, And then, obviously, uh, I think I'm saying this right, uh, Yaya Kita has plays for Dismet. Mm-hmm. And so um, I believe he has a Mizzou offer as well. So. Yeah, I was trying to figure out if he for sure has a Mizzou offer, and I couldn't quite determine. They've been in contact for sure and gotcha. are recruiting him, but I don't know that an official offer has been made yet. Gotcha. Um, and then Desmet has another big guy that I can't remember his name, um, another sort of like post player that's uh, maybe a 2022 recruit. Mm-hmm. Um he may be 2021 that also has offers um from i think maybe one power five school either kansas state or iowa or somebody like that um so definitely some guys to keep an eye on uh img is going to be stacked with juniors next year um so several 2022 guys it'll be interesting to see how tamar bates fits into the rotation there because i mean they have like some top 20 in their class will be juniors um, and obviously he'll be a senior next year. Um, 
so they're, I consider them definitely the early favorite, but, uh, you know, a lot can change, especially with some of these prep academies, prep schools, they, um, get transfers in and out. So the rosters might be a little bit different by the time the tournament actually gets here, but we will be uh, applying for credentials once again, and hopefully be, be there to take it all in and you can follow along with us. Let's see here. Speaking of JQH Arena, did you see that it was reported that Mizzou is supposed to go to Springfield? Oh next, yeah, that's newsworthy. Next uh, season? Yeah, I've I've heard some like different reports on that. I, I still don't know if that's going to be official. Um, I'm assuming it is, um, but you know, it's I, being reported on as if it's official, even though I don't think the university has officially told the public. Yeah, yeah. So that that should be interesting. Um, you know, obviously someone who's lived in Springfield my whole life. Um, I'm probably one of the few people that kind of root for both programs. Obviously, I'm a huge Mizzou fan. I root for Missouri State. I go to their games fairly regularly. Um, that's going to be an interesting experience. That's something that I've always wanted to see is these two teams play against each other. And it'll be weird to see it happen first in Springfield at JQH yeah. Arena. So um, that is definitely a game that we will be attending if it's happening. Um, it's a homecoming for Conzo. Um, from a Mizzou standpoint, I'm not sure it makes a ton of sense. But um, I, as a purely entertainment standpoint, from my perspective, I'm really happy that that is happening. I completely agree. And while I don't completely echo the sentiment of somebody that's really against this happening, I can see that perspective to some extent. I mean, like you said, it doesn't necessarily make the most sense for Mizzou. Um, but you can almost say that about any... Um, I guess like Mizzou going on the road to any um, mid-major school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you pretty much could. I mean, the downside of losing vastly outweighs the upside of winning. Right. Um, and I still, like take Anton Brookshire, for example. If this recruitment was taking place a month after Missouri State upset Mizzou at JQH Arena, I don't think that's gonna. That, I don't think that would be enough to make him choose Missouri State over Mizzou. I still think if there's recruits that are being looked at by both, first of all, Mizzou's going to be recruiting against other programs like we've seen in recent history, like uh, K State, Iowa State, uh, Kansas to some extent, and then bigger schools, obviously, are in like Illinois, uh, right across the border. So Mizzou's still going to be competing with those schools those schools generally aren't competing with Missouri state for recruits. So there's just not that much overlap there. Mm -hmm. So that's not something I'm too concerned about. And honestly, as a Mizzou fan, if Mizzou is competing with Missouri state for a recruit, I want Mizzou to get them 10 out of 10 times. So, you know, and I, obviously I'll be at the game and while I definitely root for the bears during their season, I'll be rooting for Mizzou in this game. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. It's not like I'm a Missouri, big Missouri State fan over mm-hmm. Mizzou and, and think this is just such a great thing for Missouri State. I don't know. I think it's just it's cool to see those in-state rivalries. Yeah, I think it's just good And, and for, it's not a rivalry, but it's, you know, yeah. develop something there. Get the Springfield folks that are Mizzou fans maybe more engaged with the program. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's what it does for me anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Um, news also came out that in that same – uh, video call that Mizzou will apparently be playing Wichita State uh, next year. Uh, Wichita State was 
pretty good program um, this past season, but they've kind of had a mass exodus of transfers, so it's kind of hard to predict what they're going to look like next year. Yeah, there's some roster churn for sure mm-hmm. in Wichita. I think that, they had like six or seven guys. I think they maybe had one guy that ended up staying, but they probably five or six for sure that And then are I think gone. they snagged one of the top uh, transfers that was available as well. So they had some some pretty high-caliber players coming in and out of there this mm-hmm. offseason. Um, that's kind of that's an interesting dynamic there because uh, Wichita State coach Greg Marshall is a guy that people have been clamoring for to be the Mizzou head coach for you know probably ever since he first went to the NCAA tournament with I with uh, Wichita State. So if Missouri goes out and gets blown out by Wichita State, then I don't know. We'll just be hearing more of that. I would say probably you're right, but I would say probably half of the power five teams in america Absolutely. have <laughs> done yeah. been in that, those very same shoes yeah. but and it's crazy that he's just stayed at wichita state well and they're um, they're, they're they've paying, got the money they've yeah. got the uh the coke brothers yeah that exactly backing that program so yeah. um but uh yeah so it's gonna be a very interesting non-conference season and i don't know if you know we're scheduling some of these regional teams just for you know travel stuff with with covid19 or, or whatever I don't, I don't know but um i have from an entertainment entertainment standpoint i'm really looking forward to this non-conference season and you know i I think that the that sometimes the narrative is that non-conference games don't matter but you know i would definitely disagree with that and i think that uh, you know kind of like the demonstration that we uh did on uh bart torvik you know a month ago or so oh right definitely shows that non-conference games absolutely factor into um your your perception at the end of the year and uh, for Bracken rights too, just you know, you don't get to play Wichita State very often, or or whoever it is. So you definitely want to win those games. Yeah, uh, looking at the non-conference schedule as a whole, where it stands right now, I'm honestly a little bit scared. <laughs> I am a little bit scared too. I uh, mean, we could just lose like all of them. Yeah, I could see. Then it won't be so fun. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see a, a scenario where Missouri comes out of non-conference with like five wins, and that would be. I definitely terrifying. thought that the uh, that non-conference tournament that they played this uh past season against they played butler in oklahoma i was definitely thought that was gonna be really fun and it wasn't so that was not fun at all (laughs) yeah there was another non-conference game in there that was also not fun uh that we featured in that bart torvik analysis so hopefully we don't get a repeat of anything close to that Mm -hmm. we saw how detrimental that would be uh let's see any other uh big news i know we're gonna we are gonna talk about Kansas getting in trouble, but anything else? I, I completely forgot about that uh, Missouri State matchup getting announced. I think that's it. So there's for some reason there's still not. I mean, unless you go read the report, and who are we kidding? I'm not going to go read the report. <laughs> um, the details surrounding this uh, KU situation are are kind of hard to parse through, um, but. The Kansas City Star had a really good article, and I'll just read you a couple lines from that that are pretty damning for KU. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the NCAA stated that the five level one violations alleged against KU men's basketball program and Coach Bill Self are, quote, egregious, severe, and are the kind that significantly undermine and threaten the NCAA collegiate model. And another bit in this Kansas City Star article. 
like the sound of that so far. Oh yeah. And that. That's an ad. <laughs> um. Well, react to that, and I'll try to find uh, the next part that I was going to say. Uh, I mean, like I said, it it sounds pretty juicy. I gotta say, um, as a Missouri fan, um, yeah, at the same time, it's always like, well, is anything really going to happen here? You know, uh, I I don't know what's going to happen, but it would be really nice to not see Kansas in the NCAA tournament next year. I don't know if that will be uh, kind of a postseason thing if they get slapped with a postseason ban yeah. or not, but that would that'd be nice. So my the way I see it happening is um, it's just the way my brain works. I see Missouri finally beating Kansas at something since we haven't played them in a while, and then Kansas fans saying, well, they, they weren't really into it because – you know, it's a lost season. They're not mm-hmm. playing for anything because they already know they can't go to the NCAA tournament. They'll probably just have some some games like, what do, what do they call it, when they just basically say these wins didn't exist. Oh, yeah, they'll be vacated. Yeah, those will vacate a bunch of yeah. wins, and that'll be all the things they get. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, KU released a statement that said in part, quote, uh, or sorry, that said the NCAA's allegations were, quote, simply baseless and littered with false representations. Uh, The NCAA said, or uh, Kansas City Star said that the NCAA's response did nothing to de-escalate what is set to be a landmark infractions case in the upcoming months. Didn't they kind of claim like the, some of the allegations for football were, were, were correct, but they kind of just denied everything about basketball. That's what I was reading on Twitter. Um, Gabe DeArmond said basically that, that um, the way he understood it was KU was acknowledging the infractions against the football team, but denying everything related to the basketball team. Hmm, I wonder which program they care about. Yeah. Well, we know based on Mizzou's recent history with the NCAA that the better salute, the better alternative is to deny if you, if you think you have a case or just care enough to not get the book thrown at you. You should just deny mm-hmm. and basically make them do the work mm-hmm. and don't do any of the work for them. Don't come forward with anything. So it looks like that's what KU is trying to do, but maybe they're they're giving like an olive branch as uh, the football violations. But do you think, I mean, I feel like the NCAA knows where they need to set precedent and it's not with KU football. Uh, yeah, the KU football was not what brought attention to them in the first place, right. I'm sure, so. Yeah, Les Miles wasn't wearing an Adidas shirt and uh, hanging out with Snoop Dogg and firing fake money into the air. That, I don't know, that whole thing now, it's just going to be such a funny thing to think about if they it's, if It they was do face, when it happened, but yeah. it's even funnier now. If they do face these you know, the severe repercussions that the NCAA is talking about, then, like... They're going to get memed so hard. Yeah, and it's not... Like, the people involved, it won't be funny anymore. <laughs> I mean, maybe Bill Self will think it's funny when he goes and... Goes with the Spurs. Yeah, and goes and starts coaching the, in the NBA, but <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, I don't know, we still don't really know anything yet, but um, that statement definitely, it was was pretty juicy, for sure. So Yeah, and it's just um, more relevant, I guess, in timing, since Mizzou's going to play at Kansas next year. And that, that honestly is a kind of a weird thing, that that's going to be a real game that happens this coming basketball season i can't wait and uh i don't think we've talked since they announced that the football 
rivalry is returning as well. Mm-hmm. Officially. Um, uh, yeah. We kind of knew that that was being worked on for a long time, but they actually put dates on it. So I don't even, I don't even remember what, when I that's going to start. 26 or something. Yeah. It was like the first 25 maybe. But uh, I, I was disappointed. I, I think we did talk about, or maybe this was off air, um, that I would have liked to see the rivalry be late in the season, mm-hmm. kind of like how Georgia-Georgia Tech, uh, Florida-Florida State, you know, they have that late in the season non-conference game. Um, we're not going to get that, but I'll take I'll take a win. Yeah, so far in the future, I'm assuming Kansas will still be bad at football. <clears throat> well, that's what the Kansas fans were saying. Hey, that gives us enough time to at least be competitive. Unless they get hit with allegations because they put yeah. it all on their football team. That's true. <laughs> yeah, the, the football team is not getting out of anything because they kind of admitted to whatever mm-hmm. the NCAA said on that one. All right, any other news? Any other programs that we want to talk about? That's it. All right. So... Um, Obviously, it's now 2020, and it's not the 20-teens anymore. Um, so we've had a really interesting last 10 seasons of Mizzou basketball. I thought you were going to say a really interesting start to 2020. <laughs> well, that's true, too. <laughs> um, a lot of ups and downs in the last decade of Mizzou basketball. And so uh, plenty of outlets did their uh, Mizzou basketball all-decade team and Mizzou football all-decade teams uh, during the seasons this past year. Um, so we had too many games to talk about at that point to really dive deep into it. And, um, this past basketball season did count as far as I'm concerned as, you know, being a part of the decade that we were sort of analyzing. So now that it's all over, uh, we thought we would sit down and figure out the podcasts all decade team. So we're going to hash it out a little bit, maybe make cases for and against guys. And, uh, the way we're doing this is uh, starting five and three bench players. And if it's okay with you, Kyle, I want to make the most competitive squad possible. Um, so maybe we'll play around with positions a little bit, you know, um, just basically the team that we think would make the best run towards a Final Four. Does that sound good? That sounds great. Um. I guess, are there any just, I feel like there's just some no-brainers um, that we can pencil into the starting five. Yeah, pretty much the 2012 squad. You can pretty much pencil in all five of those starters, in my opinion. Yeah, well, it does get a little bit interesting because Lawrence Bowers wasn't actually a starter. That's true. I think uh, Matt Pressy was a starter. So pretty much swap Matt Pressy for Lawrence Bowers. Yeah. So that would be Phil at the one, Marcus Denman at the two, uh we're going so the 2012 team mostly played english at the four mm-hmm. but we're going to slide him back to his more natural uh three spot bowers at the four and ratliff at the five yeah i kind of feel like those guys are pretty non-negotiable yeah i would agree uh for the most part it's so interesting that I don't know that, that that's the all decade starting five and they all played on the same team at some point. And that, that big, what if of Bowers, you know, getting hurt and not, and missing that whole season, uh, where they won the big 12 tournament and were the two seed and, uh, the NCAA tournament was canceled. But, um, that big, what if of Bowers being uh, available to them 
I don't know. That's one of the biggest what ifs yeah. in Mizzou basketball. Yeah, that one will keep me up at night. I'm not gonna lie. Bowers was probably one of my favorite Mizzou basketball players ever. Um, he really wasn't the same player when he came back either. I mean, he was he was still a good player, still effective, but <clears> just different. just completely different yeah. in a different way for sure. But I really kind of missed his uh, super athletic, bouncy self um, that he was before his injury. But he still um, had a ton of dunks when he actually got to his senior year. Yeah, uh, they were just not as they looked more like old man looking but they were still like yeah he still had some good dunks but he really um improved his shot in the year that he uh was out yeah so yeah he he was money from mid-range his senior year Mm -hmm. yeah it's just been really interesting to see what another big body would have done in allowing English to be at his natural three spot it's true um and you know Bowers and Rat, uh, Ratliff being kind of different play kind of players might have been an interesting dynamic too down low because um, Ratliff basically <clears throat> just stayed right under the basket and just finished everything. That's literally pretty much all he did. Yeah, he was, he was just so efficient. But if Bowers doesn't have that year off, he's not the same player True. from the mid range. So maybe, maybe you know, it doesn't work as well. And having the floor spacers that this team did in 2012, it I think partially is what allowed Ratliff to have such a successful season. Yeah, that was actually a thought that crossed my mind was, is Kim English as effective at the three as he was at the four because he was just so uh, almost unguardable the way he could stretch the floor um, from a post position or a forward position. Yeah, and he did enough. He did enough on defense guarding fours that I think more often than not, teams had to adjust to Mizzou's smaller lineup Mm -hmm. rather than you know just trying to impose their will and basically the only teams that could do that were kansas state and kansas right here yeah it it was just almost that mizzou offered something so different um that it just made them so hard to game plan against and um it's really not that any of these those five players were just ultra ultra talented but they just gelled so well as a team and um were able to just provide so much versatility individually in their roles but i still feel like especially with the way the rest of the decade um, <clears throat> ended up happening, I still feel like those those five guys have to be there, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And we did get to see those five on the floor together um, the year before. They just weren't quite as seasoned, and they were playing. They were still playing the fastest 40 minutes and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And I think it, it is a testament to Frank Haith. Obviously, he was handed some really good players. He did have to deal with the Bowers injury and having a short bench and um, – you know, the yeah, way he played like seven players every right. game. And he was able to, I still think he got more out of that squad. And then maybe some of that is, you know, Kim English reconciled by winning. They had a, they had something to prove that season that basically Mike Anderson left something amazing mm-hmm. on the table when he left for Arkansas. And so with that chip on their shoulder, and I still think that Haith was able to utilize the players he had to the best of their ability. Right. I mean, he got, the very most out of each one of these guys for sure so i think it'll be a little bit more interesting to figure out what three bench players we want to go with um i almost think you still have to stick with that same squad and make your sixth man mike dixon are we doing it by like position like are we just or are we just doing the three most talented or, or best players yeah the three i think the three bench players that would fit in with this starting five to make them okay. the most successful. And I and I think Dixon does that. I mean, we saw when he was no longer with the program, Phil Pressey was not the same player in the last 
four minutes of games that he was the first 16 minutes or Mm -hmm. i mean 36 minutes right so i think having him there to kind of relieve some of the ball handling pressure from phil he was an excellent free throw shooter down the stretch he could still splash home threes at a decent percentage and was a good defender so Mm -hmm. i don't know i think and he could play alongside phil you know they did that some that 2012 season so we'll just i'll put his him down as a as a possible for the last three bench spots and that's another what if i mean if michael dixon is playing on that 2013 squad you know he just fills perfectly the role of you know we almost flipped basically from a uh you know four guards to almost the opposite where we were almost kind of forward heavy and we just needed a ball handler in that next season and we probably would have been a lot better so um, yeah, definitely Mike Dixon is, is a guy to worth considering for sure for those next three kind of bench spots. But um, I wanted to throw Jonte out there. Absolutely. I, I think that's um, obviously Jonte just offers incredible versatility and shooting and in, in a position of need on, on, on that particular squad. So Yeah, and we never saw peak Jonte. Mm-hmm. So the Jonte Porter that we're putting in this all-decade team potentially is freshman year Jonte that we actually saw play. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can't project out what he would have been um even though it probably would have been pretty spectacular right and because i still feel like what the jante that we saw at the very beginning of his sophomore season and we saw him at the midnight madness event or whatever it was a different he was a different player yeah and i know that that was just kind of a scrimmage and they were kind of screwing around but you could tell that he had transformed his body he was his athleticism was completely different he was he was had truly taken the next step and you could tell and as weird as it sounds he looked more confident he did like he just looked like he was owning the stage Mm -hmm. he was going to be the man for mizzou basketball that season yeah Yeah. why why do we end up talking about this i i i know (laughs) it's so sad it seems like anything we ever talk about it somehow leads to eternal sadness but spirals into the the negative zone exactly um but i i think jante has to be there in one of those three spots yeah uh he showed that he could you know protect the rim really well uh had some amazing blocks his freshman year to seal games for missouri um yeah you could play him at the five or the four um I, I think he would he was actually most effective with jeremiah tillman on the floor his freshman year mm-hmm. and when he was slotted over at the five wasn't quite as effective but um yeah just his the way he's able to pass i mean you know just imagine him kicking it out to or like the the big to big play between him and ratliff and him and bowers yeah and then also kicking it out for threes. It for would, sure. It'd be incredible. Yeah, his, his definitely his area of uh, of improvement was definitely his inside scoring. So I agree. He was he was definitely best suited at the four, but um, incredibly versatile. <clears throat> I'm. It's not. It's not quite as obvious where to go from here. Um, I definitely think that both Jordan Clarkson and Jabari Brown are are in the running for me, and it's kind of weird because they both have just. They were individually incredible players, but the team just wasn't that great the year that they were both playing together. Um, but obviously, we've seen what Clarkson's done in the NBA. Uh, he was they, they were both so good at Mizzou, but I don't I just can't really put my finger on what happened that year. I think they were definitely going through some off seasons or uh, some off the court stuff. Yeah. Um, but we I mean, we could not win a game away from Mizzou Arena to save our lives that year. Um, but I still think that both those guys, just as far as individual talent, have to at least be considered. Absolutely. And they both had uh, another year of eligibility remaining. So, mm-hmm. I mean, for guys that, you know, Jordan Clarkson, he was running the team his junior season 
And even though he was kind of the go-to guy at Tulsa, you know, that was a new experience for him. And yeah. he performed admirably just in that one season. So, uh, you know, classically another what if, if those two guys stick around for another season, you know, maybe we see an elevated performance out of both of them and a completely different outcome for the season win total. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely both of those guys are worth considering. Another guy that I think is worth considering is Jordan Barnett. Mm-hmm. Um, his efficiency, his senior season um, helped Missouri get to the NCAA tournament for the first time in a while. And I don't know, just if you go back and watch some of those highlights from that season, him and uh, Cassius Robertson making three pointers and also a ton of threes. Yeah. Barnett was a good wing defender. He, he, I just have specific memories of him cutting baseline and getting fed for a a slam dunk. And Mm -hmm. it just looked so effortless. And it seemed like he was either getting a feed for a dunk um, or getting a fast break dunk or making a three pointer. That's Mm -hmm. like all of his points. And that's just, like I said, super efficient and I think would help pretty much any squad you put him on at senior year, Jordan Barnett. I think like, I think the, the, um, those first three guys we mentioned are kind of in, well, I guess there was four that we first mentioned there. At some point, I think there's kind of a tier. Um, I think Barnett is close to, to that first tier, but I think for me, he's probably tier two, maybe along with Cassius Robertson, both kind of being in, that second tier, those first. Three, oh, we're, we're about to have an interesting conversation. Those first then. three or we? four num- uh, three or four names, I think, are are. Uh, I don't know. It's okay. tough to know what to do with Mike Dixon, honestly, just with kind of what happened with him. Yeah. Um. I. But if we're talking about purely just on the court performance. Um. Yeah. I mean, he was the. I, I don't think the NCAA has a six man of the year award, but he would have been the national six man of the year award winner mm-hmm. that season. Mm-hmm. Probably some outlet does that and probably gave it to him i don't know but um, (laughs) i mean that's what he was right and to me talking about the tears i even just wrote it like this on my paper without even thinking about it i have dixon and porter as sort of the tier one Mm -hmm. of the non-starters and then clarkson brown and barnett together in that second tier Mm -hmm. i'm looking one last time over i mean if we're just some honorable mentions here real quick we all know about the impact Cassius Robertson had in his one season at Mizzou. Even though we haven't seen that much out of Drew Smith, I mean, his efficiency and just his well-roundedness, mm-hmm. throw him on any squad, and it's probably going to win a, a few extra games. Mm-hmm. I'd throw Jordan Geist in there for sure. Yeah, basically same concept with him. Um, Alex Oriaki is a guy that I think before today, and we'll get to why he is not as forgotten as I thought he might be, um, you know, he's kind of a guy that just kind of slips out the back of your mind, but, you know, transferred from UConn and was just, uh, an elite finisher at the rim and a really good rim defender as well. Um, I don't know. Those are just some guys that are just worth mentioning because they're right on the cusp of being in that conversation. Right. Um, so do you feel comfortable putting in Mike Dixon and Jonte Porter for sure? So we're kind of just trying to figure out what to do with that last spot, that eighth spot. I do. <clears throat> who's your who's your next your next man up and so we've got uh, a point guard and we've got like a power forward there and so we need a i think we need a wing player so i think that i mean clarkson could play on the wing but i think that kind of eliminates him i think we would go with either dixon or clarkson mm-hmm. 
um, as the sixth man. That makes sense. So I think I'm going to cross Clarkson off the list. That leaves us with Jabari Brown and Jordan Barnett. Um, I personally would lean Barnett. I think the difference between him and Brown in my mind is I think Barnett is a little bit more versatile defensively. And when you're looking at a wing player that could guard the two, three, or four, I think Barnett fits that rule a little bit better than, than Jabari Brown. But I could definitely hear an argument for Jabari Brown for that last spot as well. Yeah, I, d- I definitely won't disagree. I think if we're talking defensively, you got to go Barnett. Um, you know, Barnett, athletically, there are different players. Um, Barnett's a little longer. Um <clears throat> kind of fits the the three and D um, pretty well. I don't know. Jabari Brown, I think, may just be all around a little bit more offensively polished, um, probably a little bit better shooter. Um, but Jabari Brown was relied on more as a scorer his junior season, his last season at Missouri, than Jordan Barnett was. Mm-hmm. Um, I pulled up Ken Palm, and Jabari Brown used tw- almost 25% of possessions his junior season with an offensive rating of 119 and uh, didn't turn the ball over, uh, shot 80% from free throw, 51% from two, and 41% from three on almost 200 attempts. Uh, Jordan Barnett used only 18% of possessions, an offensive rating of 120, compared to 119, uh, 89% free throw, 51% from two, 42% from three, with one fewer three-point attempt. It's like almost identical numbers. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, I I really do think that either one of those guys, I mean, you're you're pretty happy with either one of those guys in, yeah. on, your, on your eighth spot of oh, your team. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I'm fine. I'm f- I'm fine penciling in Barnett there, but um, you know, and I think that part I, I think we think pretty pretty um, nicely of of Barnett. I think just because of that 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 one season was pretty special um, with him and Cassius Robertson. My my memories of Mizzou basketball aren't quite as great when we think of that Clarkson Jabari Brown era. Um, you know, Haith was kind of out the door after that season, and we just weren't very good. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'm fine with, with putting Barnett in there for sure. Yeah. I think when you look at the two seasons, I mean, that's a, that's a good point. Um, Barnett's senior year, you know, Porter brothers, Conzo Martin, new era, make the NCAA tournament and basically complete opposite, um, hate out the door, like he said, but just that season, I think they started out in the top 25 were, I think almost undefeated in non-conference. I think I'm thinking of the right season. Yeah, I think you're right. And then just <clears throat> in know, conference season, we're just incredibly average. Yeah, I mean, ten wins in a in a SEC that's very different from what it is today. Yeah, in the non-conference, you're right. I forgot about that. They they were very good and were ranked in the top twenty-five for a good portion of the non-conference. And then lost in the first round of the SEC tournament. And oh, sorry, I'm looking at I'm looking at the wrong the wrong squad here. I think they still did that, but uh, yeah. So that was the year that they beat ucla at home Mm -hmm. so yeah everything was rolling but then uh lost to illinois by one 
and then yeah it was nine and nine in the sec and like i said a much different sec mm-hmm. um went to two overtimes with 110th ranked texas a&m then lost to florida and then ended up in the nit i think bart torvik don't change a single thing i think bart torvik actually has them in the ncaa tournament but bart torvik seems to love mizzou and the selection committee hates mizzou if you just go by that website um yeah, and I remember the NIT that year just being like so ho hum. Yeah, like, okay. I think they actually they played at home. May have won their first game. They did, and then yeah. lost to like Southern Miss or Absolutely. something in the second round. Yep. Who did they beat in the first round? Davidson. Okay, I remember that now. Yeah, but that was just such a you know a disappointing end of the season, not making the NCAA tournament. So yeah, I can totally mm-hmm. see what you're saying about those last seasons for those two guys, just painting a completely different picture. Yeah. Do we decide on Barnett? I, I don't think, want to pressure you. Into no, anything no. Here. I, I, th- I think that your, I think your argument is is valid. I definitely don't have anything against Barnett. That's for no. sure. No. Um, I think I just maybe think of Brown as a little bit more fluid athlete, maybe a little bit better shooter, but the numbers definitely don't necessarily support that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm good with Barnett. Okay. Are we just, are we just like, com- we're not just completely forgetting anybody? Uh, I don't think so. No. I would have liked to have seen MPJ. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Gosh. <laughs> I, I would hear I was about to say I would like to see Jeremiah Tillman be the type of player that would make a, you know the bench on this squad. But yeah, yeah, I would have taken Michael Porter Jr. as making. Yeah, I'll Gosh. cry myself to sleep tonight. <laughs> that just tells you I literally forgot about him. We the, forgot about him on the. Uh, Fifteen dollars well, thing, kind of. I guess I did. I didn't quite forget about him on that. Oh, okay. yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to it. But uh, okay, so here we have it: the Missouri Sports Podcast, Mizzou basketball All Decade Team. Phil Pressy, Marcus Denman, Kim English, Lawrence Bowers, Ricardo Ratliff as your starting five, and off the bench we have Mike Dixon, Jonte Porter, and Jordan Barnett. Pretty dang good team. Yeah, well, that's that's Mizzou's first Final Four, and we're talking about all of these players in their prime. So we actually are talking about senior year Lawrence Bowers just being the perfect puzzle piece mm-hmm. to fit in next to that 2012 squad. And then just pure pure versatility and offensive dynamite in the For three sure. bench players. Mm-hmm. I think that team gets Missouri its first Final Four. I agree. Oof. Man. Who's the coach? Who's the coach of the All-Decade team? That's a great point. Man, you know, I want to say Conzo Martin. I really want to say it, but he wasn't a big enough part of the decade. Kim Anderson was a nice big pick, nice big uh, piece of the uh, of the decade. Right smack in the middle. Yeah, he was something. Um, I guess you got to give it to Frank Haith. I guess. I mean. He had the by far the best season. Yeah. Of and, any of those guys. Oh, yeah, by far. And a comparable second best season i a better well i almost identical i mean they were nine seed i think both eight or nine the year they lost to colorado state and conzo's first year i think you have to give it to frank hayes i think so and we already talked about how he got the most out of um some of mike anderson's leftovers best best leftovers you could probably possibly imagine but there wasn't much. Yeah, what uh, was Mike Anderson doing? <laughs> I don't know. That's so weird. You got to think. What was he doing? I mean, I understand wanting to go back to, you, yeah, you know, the, like that's your team where you play that's 
you have so many memories there. You're an assistant. But, but why then? Imagine watching Mizzou be one of the best teams in the country, like literally the year you leave. <laughs> like, I don't know. That is, that's really a weird bizarre. one. I mean, some, I mean, the timing was just not ideal. I, I mean, I can't imagine that was an easy decision for him. I mean, he had to have been thinking, why couldn't you have held on to whoever the, uh, the coach was previously at Arkansas? Man, I wish you'd have just held on to him one more year so I could coach this team of seniors. Mm-hmm. And at least that's what I would be thinking, even if it was my dream job on the other end. Even if I knew I was leaving, I would at least think, man, you couldn't have waited one year? All right, Frank Haith, head coach. All right, now you ready to move on to what I think is maybe the most fun thing we've done since we created this podcast. I think you might be right. And I'll try to explain it the best I can here. We, producer Cameron made an amazing graphic and helped this idea come to life. We sent it out, Kyle sent it out on the social medias and it's a grid of Mizzou players sorted by positions in columns and dollar amounts in rows. If you have been alive in the last five years and consume social media, you've seen a similar concept where you have $15 to create your dream lineup. People have done it with candy bars, um, movies, but most commonly it's sports teams to create your, your dream lineup. And obviously you have a, the constraint of only having $15 in your budget to spend. So you can't just go pick the entire 2012 roster because you'd be way over budget. But you could maybe just pick Phil Pressey and then, you know, fill your lineup with other guys. Or you could be like one of our Twitter followers who picked 15 Colin Van Leers. That's, that's a strategy. I mean, if they're all, if you can get them all on the floor at the same time, then I think you got a pretty good strategy. Yeah, there. a really good basketball IQ team (laughs) yes and they will always be in the right position (laughs) really good in practice yes uh we love colin that's just friendly friendly jokes yep um where do you want to start with this we we sent it out on to the social medias and you want to give maybe some of the lineups that people yeah i'll i'll kind of uh maybe talk a little bit about some of the players that are picked the most i guess and uh i sent it out around two o'clock today that was probably like I don't know, six or seven hours ago, and we got over like 50 responses. We had some uh, of you couldn't follow the rules. We had probably 10 or 15 of you that tried to pick like multiple players in certain positions and stuff, so we didn't count those. And we acknowledge the guards are definitely better, and we would probably rather have ideally an extra uh, person from the one or two column. Ideally, yes, we would move them around a little bit, but that's not the rules. (laughs) So your vote did not count. Uh, But definitely by far and away the the player that was picked the most was alex oriaki <clears throat> just because the 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 center position is is pretty thin um retrospectively we we had tillman at the at the uh the four line and uh at the four dollar spot and oriaki at the three that probably should have been flipped um i think our, our thinking was maybe that oriaki has he had played one season maybe he was a little bit forgotten about but he is not forgotten about so yeah oriaki was picked a ton of times jante was picked a lot of times marcus denman picked a lot um jordan geist was picked quite a bit so however there were three players out of these out of these players out of these 15 guys who uh who were not picked at all okay can you guess which three were not selected a single time Okay, let me pull up the graphic just so I can. And if you're if you're just listening, then just head over to 
uh, at Mizzou Sports Pod on Twitter or Instagram. You can look at this um, while you're listening. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, we're going to try to have the graphic up there while we talk about it. So hopefully you're seeing this. And yeah, let's see here. I'm going to have to say that unfortunately probably nobody picked Javon Pickett. That's incorrect. Pickett was picked five times. Wow. Okay. Are we, so I guess we're not taking seriously the person that picked Colin Van Leer 15 times. No, that's, but, not, that's not counted. Hmm. Okay, let me try again. Let me try again. Probably nobody picked Ryan Rosberg. He was picked twice. <laughs> Ryan right. Rosberg had a pretty nice senior season. I would agree, but replacement level of Reed Nico for one dollar less that's that was my thought process there sheesh um okay probably nobody picked oh you know i hadn't even considered this okay nobody picked ricardo ratliff that is correct Uh nobody picked ricardo ratliff that's very interesting because i don't think i think it's just that Oriaki was such a great deal at three dollars that just everybody went for that. That is a really, that's really great value. But I don't, I think Ricardo Ratliff is perfectly fine value at five dollars there. Oh yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you his, have to, you have to put him at five. His efficiency that yeah. that year was off the charts for sure. And yeah, okay. Is Oriaki doing that though with that team around him? Uh, Hashtag dunk everything potentially yes that's a good point but yeah that's a good point so ricardo got- ratliff just did something special though where he actually didn't dunk it every time yeah he play- he's very much under the rim player and he would just like and and yeah the, and the ball's in the basket oh yeah he was very quick he would, that's how he, he did would, it he never on youtube eh, he would never never dribble he would yeah. just catch it and put it up immediately yeah incredible but you, yeah, you got one of the three. Okay. Who were the other two that were not selected? Okay, I guess nobody probably picked Torrance Watson. One person. Okay, I don't know what to do with these folks. Then I don't know who they're. I don't know who they're not picking. You're just gonna have to tell me. Well, uh, I mean, we'll, th- we'll think about it. Positions. We'll think about it. With Alex Oriaki, not joking, probably received eighty to ninety percent of the votes. Nobody picked Tillman. Nobody picked Tillman. Ah, nobody picked Ratliff or Tillman. Yeah. I mean, How we, interesting. again, you're getting such a great deal well, at $3 yeah. with that, ma- that honestly, I don't know why I didn't think of that. It Tillman. makes much more sense than... Like, where's the production done at Tillman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, yeah, Okay, so that makes... There's two of the three. Wow. Two out of one position that didn't get selected. Phil Pressy was only selected one time. Wow. The other person to not be selected, Mark Smith. Wow. Okay. I... That's very interesting because I wrote out when I was trying to make my official $15 chart, I put down a possible lineup that included both Phil and Mark Smith. And I think it would have been a really, really good squad. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it would be. <clears throat> now, I think we'll get into this whenever we share our teams, but mm-hmm. the the value that you can get on you know the one and two line for some of the guards, like the point oh, guards yeah. are just... I mean, you, you almost can't not pick jordan geister xavier pinson at the one and two dollar line in my opinion (laughs) if you if you really want to get value at the other positions you just almost can't not select one of those two guys but 
All right. All right. Okay. Um, no, it makes perfect sense. I don't know why I didn't think of Tillman because I'm never, I, I fill out, if you make me fill out 100 different lineups, I'm never purchasing him at $4. Not a single one. Flip the two. And, and I, this was something that I considered when I kind of put out the bracket. And initially I had Jordan Geist at $2 and Xavier Pinson at one. And I just thought, and this is the same line of thinking that went into the placement of Tillman and, or, and Oriaki. I thought maybe just a little bit of recency bias would maybe give Pinson a little boost and, you know, him being talked about as, you know, he entered his name in the draft. Maybe that would just kind of elevate him in some people's minds. But you also got to think re- recency bias may not apply as much for a team that's been horrible for the absolutely. last two yeah. years. So and people are, the nostalgia factor might have been a little bit big on Oriaki too. And it doesn't matter how many people forgot about him. When you put his picture in his name there, True. they remember it's, him. It's there. Yep, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And so I think... Yeah, probably just from a raw production standpoint, Oriaki should have been at four dollars and Tillman at three. Yeah, I think that it would it would have been interesting to flip those because I just almost think that was a little too easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you just you have to almost right. like pick Oriaki at three dollars. That's just too good of a deal. Yeah, and exa- basically exactly like the data shows, you're never picking Tillman or, or Ratliff. Right, right. I re- I honestly thought Ratliff would get picked a little bit though. Um, okay. Anything else about the, the data that you want to, that's it. I do want to share a few lineups that some of you guys shared. Um, I picked a couple of them that were just like a little bit, maybe a little bit different. Um, we had some lineups that were pretty similar, but, uh, Andrew Kaminsky, he picked, he was the one person that picked Phil Pressy. So he picked, uh, Pressy, Denman, Van Leer, Kobe Brown, and Oriaki. So that was pretty uh, dynamic duo of, of Pressy and Denman for sure. Yeah. Um, it went a little weaker with uh, at the three and four spots, but obviously you've got fifteen bucks. You gotta you gotta do that somewhere. Right. And I feel like Kobe Brown's not a terrible pickup Mm-mm. at the four. No. Um, you know that was another weird one for me to try to place Kevin yeah. Perrier amongst basically Perrier, Mitchell Smith, and Kobe Brown. That was kind of a a weird one for me to try to figure out, but I think it worked out. I don't think. Kobe Brown. How many times was Kobe Brown picked? Kobe Brown was picked ten times versus Mitchell Smith and Perrier both were selected twice. Yeah, well, that is some of the the power of just being one dollar. Exactly. Um, but yeah, Kobe Brown. That's not a bad. That's not a bad one at all. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, this one was uh, from Burner Sports. Uh, that person selected Penson, Denman, English, Mitchell Smith, and Reed Nico. Um, I think that's a pretty good one. I like that. Okay. Um, what do you think the value is, or I guess the, I don't know what you want to call that. If we're talking about like economic terms, the step up from Reed Nico to Ryan Rosberg, how, how interchangeable do you feel like those two are when you're talking about them in their prime and uh, in their prime? I think in their prime Rosberg is a significant bump up to what Reed Nico was. Um, but really only just in that very small window of time. I mean, we're talking, we're, like we're, talking games. we're talking eight to 10 games where Rosberg was fantastic and legitimately a difference maker at the SEC level. Yeah. Like an all conference. Type yes. Player. Yeah. But so I don't know. I, it's, it's tough to gauge because he really wasn't that player for very long. Um, but again, if we're taking about their prime, I mean, Reed Nicka was, he, he was, he was pretty steady his senior year, yeah. but, 
Um, let me give me let me tell you one. Let me give you one player that I'm never picking for value reasons. Before you read your next uh, one from Twitter, I'm never picking Kim English. Yeah, I, I probably am not either. Jordan Barnett and um, when I was trying to figure out, you know, who should be what dollar amount, I was shocked when I compared English's numbers to Barnett's. Now we just talked about Jordan Barnett's senior year numbers on Ken Palm. If we look at Kim English now, uh, used 18.9% of possessions, a 120 offensive rating, 72% from the free throw line, 59% from two, step up, 46% from three on about 25 fewer attempts. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them never turned the ball over and rebounded decently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say the the distribution of selections on the small forward position was definitely the most even. Um, Barnett was picked the most, um, but Ra- Ernest Ross and Kim English were both picked the same amount, um, mm. which was a little bit less than Barnett. So I agree with you, though. There's just too much value in Ernest Ross or, or Jordan, Jordan Barnett to go up to the five on, uh, on Kim English. You do see a bit of a drop-off just looking at pure stats from Barnett to Ross, though. Yeah, as I, far as their I, yeah Barnett's definitely... Uh, can't go wrong um <clears throat> p stewart um he had clarkson cassius robertson ernest ross kobe brown and oriaki and um which is interesting because none of those five players were at the five line mm-hmm. but i still i still like the versatility i like the balance and he gave a little bit of reasoning for his pick he said elite backcourt with clarkson and cassius um, a little bit thin at the four, but uh, Ernest Ross was a really good rebounder. So, you know, Ernest Ross at the three position mm-hmm. um, could maybe help with, with rebounding and, and defense down low a little bit. So I thought that was pretty good rationale. Okay, let me hit you with another player I'm never picking, and that's Cassius Robertson. Um, and it's f- basically for the reason that we were talking about uh, Jabari Brown and our all-decade all team, the replacement level value in just his raw numbers, it's – almost identical so uh we already talked about jabari brown's numbers but when you look at robertson uh he used 21 percent of possessions 44 percent from three on about uh, 40 more attempts so obviously an excellent shooter um and i could I could see Robertson because of his ability to handle the ball a little bit more than Brown. Um, but I think they're too similar statistically for me to spend the extra dollar on Robertson when Jabari Brown is cheaper. I agree with you. And all the simulations I ran, I, I never really was interested in Cassius for that very reason. All right. And then the last one I had was from 573Ts, and they had Geist, Denman, Pickett, Jonte, and Oriaki. So, and that was a trend that I noticed when I was kind of compiling some of this was for whatever reason, uh, Geist and Denman were paired a lot, like, like a surprising amount. People had Geist and Denman. And I don't know if it was just kind of trying to find the balance between, you know, the $1 and the $5 kind of trying to balance those, those costs out a little bit. Um, but I think that would be a pretty, pretty, um, good combination. That was definitely, um, one that I kind of thought about in one of my one of my simulations, I mm-hmm. keep calling it that. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I love that. I mean, the point guard spot. Yeah, you can't you go can't, wrong. Yeah, I mean, you. It's so you're incentivized to take 
Pinson or Geist mm-hmm. just because it frees you up so much. I mean, Phil Pressey, I, I mean, I had him in one of my simulations, um, and I think he does make the whole team better. Right. But I think that's true of every single one of the guys in the point guard column. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you really can't go wrong there. And, and you could – I could fashion a team led by each one of these guys that I think I would put up against any other combination and yeah. say I would take my chance with, with the squad. Yeah, and uh, some of the reasoning that some people picked Pickett was for the defense. Oh, sure. Um, he's going to play hard. It's going to shut you down or, or certainly try his best to yeah. do so. And you got to wonder with some of these guys. I mean, you look at uh, a Pickett and Van Leer are good examples of you just wonder what they would look like if they weren't required to do as much. And we did see that with Van Leer. Uh, I guess it would have been his junior season. Yeah. Um, when he just did wasn't he was just required to play good defense and you know move the ball and shoot when you're open basically Mm -hmm. and he did just fine so uh, if he was good enough to be a a starter for Conzo Martin his first season as head coach then he's good enough to be picked up for a dollar in this Mm -hmm. in this little game for sure all right so who's given their uh who's given their five first okay so I've got two guys in my five that I settled on I, I wrote out three different options for my of course five and uh, was able to eliminate one of them. And the one I chose, I've got two guys that you have not named in any of those uh, starting five so far. Okay. Um, it, well, first of all, you named a, before we st- you started recording, you said there's one guy I'm never not having. Is that correct? Yeah. Is that Jonte? It's not Jonte. Ooh, wow. I thought for sure it was going to be Jonte. I thought you would get there by the time I'm actually oh, saying it. probably Barnett. It's Barnett. Okay. Yeah. Um, when I was looking at the numbers, I just, I thought, man, I want this guy on every Mizzou team of all time because all he does is just score efficiently and he's versatile on defense mm-hmm. and he's athletic. I mean, he's fun to watch everything that you could want in a basketball player, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, so... Yeah, Barnett was one that I was never not going to have. Uh, Jonte, not in my in my five. Um, f- just so we don't confuse everybody and jump around a bunch, I'll just go ahead and give my five. I've got Drew Smith, Jabari Brown, Jordan Barnett, Mitchell Smith. I got to stay on brand, and uh, I like Mitchell Smith. <laughs> and, of course, Alex Oriaki, mm-hmm. the best value in the whole Mm-hmm. on the whole page yeah yeah i uh i wrote down two that i was kind of trying to decide between beside between and both of them had jante and oriaki but i think the one i'm going to pick uh was jordan geist just too good at, at, the, at the one dollar line i mean just he was fantastic in his time at mizzou uh, at least his senior year kind of had, had his uh his peak he was fantastic um and then i had jabari brown uh jordan burnett and jante and oriaki so, so your your savings in the point guard spot allowed you to go up two dollars and, and have Jonte. Yeah, I thought that Jonte was just too too good, too versatile, um, to to um, go for a lower value at, at the at the other the other options at the four dollar. You know, I, I like Kobe Brown at the one dollar. That's that's pretty good value. But um, just comparing Jonte to um, some of the other options below him, I just I couldn't not pick him. 
Yeah, and and looking comparing both of our teams, I think if slash when we put out a poll, uh, you know which squad you like best, I think yours will win. And I if I saw them just in a blind test, I would probably click on yours too, just because the perceived difference between Drew Smith and Jordan Geist is just nowhere near the perceived difference between Jonte and Mitchell Smith. Mm-hmm. So I understand your rationale for Drew Smith though. I mean, I, I, I think I, I see your rationale that he makes everybody better. And Mitchell Smith is, he's, he's great on as kind of a team player. He's great. He's great defense. Um, he can kind of help facilitate and he can shoot from time to time. I, I, under, I understand the rationale. And I think, and you, I think Mitchell Smith, his defense is what is what would uh, be his biggest asset to this squad. We're mm-hmm. talking about Drew Smith, Jabari Brown, Jordan Barnett, Mitchell Smith, Alex Oriaki. Brown and Barnett, they've got the shooting. I mean, you've got all the shooting you could ever want with those two. Um, Drew Smith can shoot okay as well. I would love to see what Drew can do when he has the types of weapons on the wing that are Jabari Brown and Jordan Barnett. And there's plenty of other guys on our on our uh, thing here. I mean, if he had Cassius next to him, if he had Kim English, Marcus Denman, um, Jonte, I mean, any of those guys, it'd be so <laughs> interesting to see. And obviously we hope that's what we get out of Mark Smith next season. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'd be, you know, even better if Torrance Watson was that. But uh, seeing Drew, seeing prime Drew Smith, with those two guys on the wing would just be incredible. But, you know, I think you've maybe found the perfect lineup, honestly. From what I already thought about Jabari Brown and Jordan Barnett and obviously Oriaki's value, I think maybe you found the perfect lineup. And that's really without thinking too hard about how they play together. That was more just me looking individually at every player and saying, okay, I think Geist is the best value at $1. Mm-hmm. I think Joey Brown's the best value at whatever he was, $3. And just trying to make those best values fit the best I could. So I really didn't put much stock into how these guys interact with each other. Um, well, whether you thought about it much or not, I think you still did a pretty good job in that regard. And I don't think, as long as you use all $15, I don't think you could craft a lineup that just wouldn't work mm-hmm. oh, i agree yeah i even really think van leer i like kind of the second one i wrote down here was penson denman van leer jante and oriaki because i just think van leer like you know he kind of got memed a little bit when at simon zoo i understand he he was kind of supposed to be the shooter and everything and didn't shoot very well but you know in his prime in that senior season that he ended up getting hurt I think he really played an important role in the team um, and just was so, like, he was just rock solid at, at his role on the team. And, um, and that was his junior year. Junior, yeah, yeah. you're right. And But I also really just wanted Pinson and Denman on the same team, so that was really why I picked Van Leer. <laughs> I just think Pinson and Denman would be pretty lethal. Yeah. Okay, so I just now realized that I said I narrowed it down to three options and I eliminated one. Uh, though other one that I was choosing from was Geist, Brown, Barnett, Porter, Oriaki. So my second one that I almost picked was your, the one that you picked. Am I wrong? Geist, Brown, Barnett, 
quarter Oriaki. Yeah. That exact line. It was a coin flip. I am. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, that would have been funny if I picked it, but I think, uh, part of it was just wanting to stay on brand with uh, drew smith and mitchell smith gotta get the smiths in there i almost didn't pick that lineup just because it didn't have any of the the five dollar players it didn't have a single player from that kind of the dream team um, but i was just felt like i could f- i found good value at other places well those guys got enough love on this episode by being the predominant members of the all decade team anyway so true yeah and i feel like in these sort of games you know it's obviously you're dealing with real world stuff and trying to fit it into these parameters there's always going to be you know incredible value one place and just stuff that makes no sense in others Mm -hmm. unless it's just a pure opinion thing like cereals or something (laughs) (laughs) build your dream cereal lineup you know i really like kashi goline so if it was a dollar i'm picking it every time that's your opinion not mine exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs) um I don't know anything this was I could I could seriously sit here and and write out different just looking at the graphic beautiful graphic by the way everybody needs to go look at it on Twitter and uh, Instagram at Mizzou Sports Pod I don't know I could look at it literally all day and just keep writing it writing down different uh different options different groups of five I want some more good players to add to that in the next few years absolutely yeah, hopefully. And I want, it, I want it, it to be more difficult. It is interesting with this last Mizzou team. I mean, if Drew Smith plays two seasons, you know, if if Drew Smith exists instead of Jordan Clarkson, just swap him, mm-hmm. then we're probably talking about Drew Smith as maybe making that bench spot on our all-decade team. And Jordan Clarkson were like, oh, we just, you know, he's not on a great team. We haven't seen him that much. You know, that's probably just the timing of that where Drew Smith only had one year in the decade and it was on a uh, 15-win team. Mm -hmm. Definitely doesn't help him at all. I'm definitely tempted to throw this out again sometime and just do something even as simple as just switching Oriaki and Tillman and see what happens because I think that just changes everything without getting such a surefire deal at the center position. And I also think it'd be interesting to – you know, we didn't put Mike Dixon on this um, just because of how things kind of ended at his, at his time at Mizzou. And yes, then I intentionally didn't choose – I intentionally didn't put any players that were dismissed from the program or transferred mm-hmm. away from the program. Gotcha. And then, of course, we also did not include MPJ because that would have been kind of Pandora's box. But Yeah, <laughs> I um, wouldn't even know – I, w- I mean, I first get- of all, I wouldn't even know what column to put him in. I don't. Uh, yeah. I guess you'd put him at the three. I guess you would, and would he be the five? Just because he's the most talented player ever to come to Mizzou. I have no clue. And but we're talking about them. We're talking about each one of these players in their prime at Mizzou. So we're talking about he had had a really nice putback <laughs> at Mizzou. We're talking about Iowa State Michael Porter Jr. Are we talking about showdown for relief Michael Porter Jr. Are we talking about uh, SEC tournament? lose to georgia definitely not michael porter jr so yeah i think that one's maybe a little too difficult too much gray area to include in something like this there's yeah that's really weird because if you look at his actual stats we're talking about denver nuggets (laughs) like (laughs) what he could have been kind of like yeah it's too much yeah that is that's insane yeah we'll we'll talk about what he could have been when we do our like 10-year bart torvik uh redo of reality 
we may never do that, but I'll see if I can talk Kyle into it. <laughs> I think that's all I got. That was, that's, that's really fun. That was fun. Hopefully you're still listening. I'm sure that was pretty long winded. Um, but that, that was enjoyable. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that as well, but, um, you can still, we still will find your, uh, potential lineups entertaining. So yeah, if you missed that on yeah. social media, the thanks first for time all through. the great feedback on Twitter for sure. I, we, um, had a huge response. So that was awesome. Um, all right. You can find us on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, or on Twitter at Mizzou sports pod and also Instagram at Mizzou sports pod. And we're on YouTube and uh, you can email us at Missouri sports pod at gmail.com. Please rate us, subscribe us, rank us, um, leave a comment, leave a review, all those things. We would appreciate it. Leave a thumbs up, hit the bell icon, whatever all the other people say. Smash. Smash that like button. There you go. <laughs> uh, don't forget to subscribe. Um, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.